0: Welcome to Dumb Dives. Join me, Pranav, and my close friend, Arvind, as we dip our toes in the kiddie pools of technology and philosophy and explore the back roads of society.
1: Welcome to Dumb Dive. I'll be your host, Arvind.
0: And I'm Pranav.
1: So, Pranav, like, one thing I wanted to get into today was, do you remember how when we started playing video games, like, on the PS2 or the Xbox, it was always so annoying because there was... This region lock system, PAL versus NTSC. Discs that you buy from some countries just don't work here in India.
0: Dude, you don't even need to get me started on that. I had an Xbox 360 that my aunt and uncle, that my uncle got me for uh, my brothers, like Open and all that shit, and just like I love the console. I think you know there were some great games on it, but it was an NTSC thing, right? And we live in India, which is PAL format. So getting a game for the system which was region-free or an, in NTSC format in India was just fairly difficult. Like, like it's so tough to find them. I'd have to go to, like, second-hand stores and it was a pain. Yeah,
1: and this was back when we didn't really have second-hand stores or, like, online stores where you could find people who are selling them and buy it off them. Like, Yeah. If you were to go to an electronic shop, you're only going to see things in the local format and
0: yeah yeah and and not just that like i think right now it's not as big a deal because you can buy stuff online you can you can get games from a digital store most consoles come with like at least 500 gigs now but back then you had like four eight gig consoles where you could only like save your save files and maybe updates
1: yeah barely like the 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 ps2's memory card was eight megabytes
0: yeah, oh, I'm talking about like the, the 360. I know, but, but like, I'm just again, talking like yeah. this is like... Yeah, 8 megabytes. Yeah, <laughs> like like this stuff, you you really could not do much. So, so, like I had to live just by asking my aunt and uncle to get uh, games from America whenever they came to visit us. That was how I lived. I know a lot of other people flashed their Xboxes or their PS3s, whatever, to become region free.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so getting into that, the flashing... Like yeah you're actually talking about where someone would get a hardware or software mod or change to the actual console itself so it allows you to read those discs that are yeah. not from your region. Yeah. So like that that was a huge thing in the PlayStation and Xbox scene as well which basically uh broke the locks that were that were uh, put on by the manufacturers Manufacturers. yeah yeah yeah. 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 so like these locks that's what we we call drm right digital rights management
0: Yeah, yeah i i think it's it's been i won't say like drm itself has been in place but some form of lock has been there since i think the days of like the snes if i remember right like avgn was talking about how there were third party um third party game makers about like the bible games and you know stuff like that and so Nintendo didn't want them to be able to sell games targeted towards the SNES audience because it would tarnish the brand image. So they tried to lock third party games out of the system. But then these guys found a workaround where it's just like you plug this and then you plug an actual SNES game into the top. So they make they made like the third party games have a double loading thing. So one, one end goes into the console and the other end takes another like original cartridge snapped on top. I don't know if this is SNES or NES. I might be getting my consoles mixed up there, but.
1: Yeah, it's like very clearly that like, so DRM and digital rights management has become a thing because uh, with traditional media, whether it's uh, uh, music, movies, any other sort of entertainment, uh, video games didn't exist before, like digital systems and computers. So you can't really talk about that as much. But
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it only makes sense can yeah. you imagine pong back in like the 1800s
1: that's another thing but yeah so with music uh, <laughs> yeah. music and movies especially uh most distribution happened through like like hardware through like right. cds records yeah. so when we started switching over to more and more technology based and computer-based solutions it like there's a need or like a sort of like uh expectation from the publishers and distributors of this content that they want to be able to control how the users are using it. They don't want people to be uh copying the the sort right. of like uh the creative content that people are buying and just like
0: distributing and I themselves. Think that's the dynamic, right? Like it's it's usually not the authors themselves who really like who are anal about it. Yeah. Like, obviously they want their intellectual property to be maintained, but like without getting into it too much, JK Rowling allows for fan fiction of her work. Like that's, that's been part of the thing. Like she allows that. So it's derivative of her work. It uses characters, but it's very clearly not infringing on her intellectual property because it's not all, or it's not meant to be a substitute for what she's doing.
1: It's not taking away from her market because it's just like it's sort of like building the community and interest and there's more things happening with the content and a lot of that fan-made remix content only makes sense to some extent if you have the original
0: if you know the original well enough so yeah
1: like a lot of creators understand this that it's
0: mostly the publishers and distributors who want like their monetary stake yeah so, um, again, like, this this is um, kind of the thing we had to do with jailbreaking as well. I, I mean, I remember that was the craze at school. Like, everyone who had an iPod wanted to jailbreak it.
1: Yeah.
0: For some of them, it was, you know, just, like, hacking the in-app purchase mechanics of that at that time. I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about it. It was just getting free gold and gems for whatever game they're playing. Yeah. And I think to some level... That's what most people wanted it for. But then there were others. Like for me, I wanted a better file management system and a better music player, essentially, for my iPod.
1: Yeah, you have a device. It has, say, 32, 64 GB of memory. And you just want to be able to use it to store the files that you want. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like like a device that you're holding around everywhere you go and you want to be able to use it to also transfer the media or the information that Mm -hmm. you have in your computer and stuff. But with the way like iPods and iPhones work, everything had yeah. to be done through the iTunes, uh, uh, like that Which synchronization system. was a
0: system. laggy buggy mess, even on the iMac I had. And
1: also it computers. was restricted to the files that you sort of get within yeah. the ecosystem, within Absolutely. like buying it through the Apple market or the uh, iOS store and so on. Like if you are a developer and you make your own application for iOS, they still don't make it very easy for you to get your own application onto your own device. Like, you're not even, like, distributing it to the public. And that's the sort of place where jailbreaking was a, a, a big deal because you just wanted to be able to run those systems on the device that you have purchased that you want to be able to hold the rights to.
0: So it it kind of stems from this thing of freedom, in a way. Um, like, I own the right to repair and... Restore my device however I see fit. It's the same thing we have with automobiles. I don't I don't know enough about the laws in India, but in a lot of other countries, you buy a car and you can take it to third party third party garages and get it completely changed. There's a really big aftermarket parts uh, uh, scene in a lot of countries where people take old cars, be it JDMs, be it like. Be it be it any old car that they have, and they try and get it modified with like a turbo, a supercharger, better exhausts, all that.
1: You know what this reminds me of? Yeah. The MTV show Pimp, my ride
0: <laughs> And West Coast Customs. Yeah, never forget yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, But but yeah, like there's there's a there's a very clear right to repair thing in automotives, and when you think about it, it's like why don't we have that for electronic devices? Why why aren't we allowed to have that for electronic devices?
1: Yeah. Like almost any laptop, if you try to open up the back panel, there'll be some yeah. sort of tape or some something telling you that if you were to open this, you're voiding the warranty.
0: Absolutely. For at least a year, year and a half, you cannot remove the back uh, back panel to clean it out. Yeah, and it's not even about like, two.
1: yeah, you can't do it, but they expect you to come to them to get it done. Yeah. Like even if it's something you know you have the skills entirely to be able to do it on your own. You can't do it. You can't do it.
0: And... See, and that's the thing. I think, you know, we should be given the right to do those things. And if we can't, then yeah, give it to the manufacturer then. And you have to be willing to pay for the damages that you've caused. You have to be willing to pay the manufacturer to get replacements. Yeah. But, but otherwise, I've bought the device if I want to tinker around with it. It's my prerogative, right? Yeah. And
1: also like the capable, like the ability for third-party hardware manufacturers to make their own parts that fit your... Uh, your, your devices
0: and it's just why go to so much pain even for the manufacturer like like the consumer side is one thing but even for the manufacturer you're jumping through so many hoops
1: yeah like
0: do you want to stand out so
1: much so like like essentially what the manufacturers and the companies are doing here is they're giving you a product and then they're re- intentionally restricting the functionality of that product And the capabilities of the hardware, of the software and everything, just so that you can't freely use the product. With DRM, they give you a computer where their biggest advantage and strength is the ability to copy information from one place to another. And they give you a computer and they don't allow you to use it to copy information. Like We're not justifying piracy, we just want the ability to have freedom to the things that we buy yeah
0: like like if i've bought a movie i should be able to load it onto my laptop cut it up into pieces and rearrange it for my private viewing yeah
1: or even to loan it to a friend like if you were to buy a book or a movie like as a cd or a a physical copy of a book you can just lend it to a friend and take it back after some time you
0: can't do that with um digital with like current digital media like if i've if i've bought an online copy of something i can't send it to a friend yeah. for like a certain amount of time so so there are definite uh parallels i think yeah of course so so getting back to our thing on drm which is yes well drm copyright that kind of thing right
1: there's also one more thing that i wanted to talk about with drm right. is like this is entirely like a sort of monopolistic practice this is like i feel like a lot of this is companies trying to gain complete control over how uh, the creative people are using their platforms to to distribute media as well as the users are stuck to that platform to consume the media so let's say if there's one huge say ebook platform where mm-hmm. They decide that uh, they decide that their the ebooks purchased on the, their website and their platform can only be used on their own ebook readers
0: isn't that isn't that like what a lot of d r m like for music stores at least i yeah. i know this because like i've used the windows music store i've used the iTunes store and so on yeah there is a certain DRM that's different for each of them. Like for the Windows Store, I remember you could download the songs, but you could not play them on anything other than the Windows mobile ecosystem. That's exactly
1: what I'm talking about. Like this is like a practice, like it feels like such a, like, like it, it just feels like the companies are trying to like force you to use their platform. Yeah, and, and not it's like,
0: dude, I've bought it.
1: Yeah, not necessarily make a platform that, consumers automatically want to come to and use because people are just going to move on to whatever is the most convenient. So if you have a platform that's riddled with restrictions and control and just like generally like forcing it to make it tighter, that may sound better for the people who are like making the books or music or movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it's just a, a pain for the users because they don't have the freedom to use whatever existing uh, ebook right. reader or game console or whatever that they have.
0: Yeah, it, it's, re- it's really restrictive. Yeah, yeah. And it forces the manufacturers also to l- really jump through hoops. It forces everyone to jump through hoops to just get to the content they want to use yeah. and m- they want to consume. Just also moving to YouTube for a second, because I think when we talk about DRM and uh, therefore copyright, we have to talk about false copyright. We have to kind of bring up that there is a double-edged sword, to, like this entire thing
1: mm-hmm. of. Do you mean like uh, when you, when these companies set up these like software rules, of yeah, uh, and then other people can abuse
0: it essentially. Okay. Um. So 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 for example, I think I I was I did talk to you about this. There was this um YouTube channel, um who had a song up that was like huge huge like fifty million views or something. Um, and they got a false DMCA strike that took down that video or directed all revenue to a third party who had weaponized someone else's remix of that song. Some third party had used that bootleg to then claim that entire song itself. Yeah. So there's a certain weaponization that can be done through this increasing, I would say almost hoarding, of um, you know the rights to your content,
1: like copyright trolling essentially. Like the the example that you gave was actually manual. Like someone went through the effort of uh, reporting that one song that the the original artist p- uploaded, and then yeah, the, the system accepted that the cover artist was actually the original artist without any like genuine backing. But right. there's also like the automated systems that may automatically flag let's say if you were to just hum a song it might just automatically flag it as
0: yeah like a, as you using that copyrighted song yeah yeah even though you're not you're humming it like, like that is yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't think yeah not.
1: like that's not really like grounds to be <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i i mean if you're if you're you know claiming that if you're claiming that's copyright it's i don't want to say 1984 but it's it's you know it, it almost does feel like policing thought
1: and it's also the fact like uh, that may okay, you you do have a sort of argument saying that like you are infringing copyright to some extent there, but what if you were just to make a few like hum notes that aren't really a song, but for some reason the the algorithm finds some random thing uh, m- like music from some random artist that just perfectly it's, matches it's, that it's, it's one land. noise oh. that you made. Yeah, and decides to. It's,
0: it's like that uh, yellow card lawsuit against Juice World. I don't rest. know about this. Oh, oh, so so they they had a lawsuit um, saying that Lucid Dreams ripped off one of their songs, <laughs> which is like, dude, the dude, the dude is paying hundred percent of the revenue he made from that song to Sting already. What more do you guys want? <laughs> you know, but but again. It's it's just like I get the Sting thing, you know? I, I get why he said, you know, you have to pay me the royalties. Hundred percent I think is a bit steep, but I get it because that song very clearly is built on that recognizable shape of my heart melody, whatever. Like that's the that's a draw for lucid dreams. It's that it's that melody. So I get I get Sting saying, Hey, you are using my copyright here. You are using my intellectual property while you are modifying it. The draw is that it's it's the melody of it's my melody that you're using. Yeah, completely get it. Yeah, I don't get yellow cards thing because the chord progression itself is fairly common. So yellow card saying that the chord progression used in lucid dreams is like a, a rip off of theirs that that makes no sense to me. It's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs>
1: uh, also the it, the other thing is, let's say like uh, Juice World or uh, any artist. Yeah. takes uh permission and gets the license to use someone else's music in their work mm-hmm. and they upload it to something like youtube but for still for some reason, YouTube doesn't know about right. about the the process that they've gone through to get the get the permission and flags it and doesn't allow them to make profits of it at like at the time of uploading and when most mm-hmm. people are gonna watch that video like
0: I I think we are getting a little sidetracked from our thing about copyright when we're talking about the flagging system but I think it's important. I think it, this is genuinely something important we should talk about a bit more.
1: Yeah, I th- I think it's important because like all of this is tying into how yeah, how IP how DRM is being enforced because like DRM it, when everything is being streamed is not going to be as simple as like a standard region lock. It's mm-hmm. more about stuff like this uh like uh software that makes it difficult for you to download the video from the browser or something right like that.
0: yeah 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 and again i i kind of get it you know but at the same time there should be provisions for people to make use of content for fair use for commentary purposes for reworking it for for doing all of that i think that that's definitely so to get to a bit of like historical kind of backing right There was this thing called the Byrne Convention, I think back in like 1871. It's what a lot of copyright law is kind of based on, the fundamental principles. And they they kept saying, you know, original works, original artworks, so on, so forth. That's like a fundamental through line. But no one defined originality in there. It wasn't clearly defined. It just gave a list of protected artworks, a list of protected forms, essentially.
1: And you can like also make the argument that no art is truly original because everyone sort of like builds yeah. on the inspiration and the other art that exactly. they have observed.
0: I don't want to say all art is derivative, right? Because that kind of implies that it's not really building on something. It's just kind of taking from. Yeah. But to a very deep extent i think all art is transformative that's the purpose it takes influences from if not real life from other art you know from yeah. other things and it transforms it into expression
1: yeah.
0: into you know and of course there's there are people who rip off there, there'll always be that kind of thing yeah. there will always be people who misuse um this this thing of transformative uh,
1: work so so I just wanted to get deeper into how DRM works.
0: Uh, this this is something I want to hand over <laughs> to you. Because you're the tech guy. No yeah.
1: no, no uh, it's, it's 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 like I'll, I'll try to no, keep like it simple. Sense, I'll try to keep it no, simple. No, no. So basically, yeah, yeah. what's going on is this: like they're sending you the content, the video, in an encrypted form, mm-hmm. and somewhere hidden in your browser is the way is, the, is like the secret key to decrypt that video. Ah. Oh. So. What's happening is this, the, the Netflix, like the browser tab that you have open for Netflix, or the application for Spotify or any other mm-hmm. like DRM- restricted right. uh, system, is then taking that private key that's on your machine somewhere and then using that to decrypt the content and allow you to, to enjoy it. So ah. like you have the, the encrypted message, the way that it's, it's encrypted because that's just like like known. Mm-hmm. and also the, the private key all on your machine, but you're technically not allowed to find where the secret key is, is, ah. is kept in your machine because that itself, not yet in India, but in the US especially, and a lot of European countries, is breaking the copyright laws.
0: Which is interesting, I think. Like, like, so, so for um, something like Spotify and for Netflix, there, I think there's an argument to be made that you don't own anything, right? you don't own yeah. Uh, yeah. the content you're using or consuming that you're renting a service Self, from there. Yeah. So when, when we talk about copyright laws applying to them, I think it's very different because we're talking about ownership, right?
1: Yeah. So that, 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 makes a lot more like the, what I was talking about is easier to understand if you think of things that you purchase, like it mm. might be a movie on the Apple or Google play, uh, Google play store ah, or a book yeah, on the Amazon Kindle market. So, I should
0: be able to just download it. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So what happens is like you download the content uh, like even if you were to locate that encrypted file, you can't directly access it and say you dig a bit deeper into the code of uh, your ebook reader or your browser or whatever the other mm-hmm. application, you might find the sort of secret key that is being used to decrypt that and to allow it to be read. Now, if if you were to publicize that you found the way that it's being used or if you were to teach someone else how they can find it on their machine that is breaking a lot of the copyright laws in uh, the US and and Europe and a lot of other countries
0: see i didn't know i didn't know it worked like this for things you bought i thought it was just for streaming for the most part
1: no 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 this That's... is definitely th- for things you bought as well because okay uh, this i've as far as I know, this all started with DVDs because DVDs mm-hmm. were one of the first like popular yeah. media instruments that were uh, mm. sold with DRM. So DRM. they were all yeah. encrypted in a certain format. So since everyone knows what DVDs are, like the method of encryption, like the way that they are encrypted is known to anyone in the technology or whoever wants right. to look it up. It's just the secret key that you need to know to be able to decrypt it. So there was one programmer, I don't remember where, I think it was Sweden, he had a, he had a set of DVDs uh, that he'd purchased directly, I think, from the, from the video creator. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to read it on his player for some reason. Oh. So he decided to just dig in to figure out how they, they decrypted. He found the key... Created a software that allows you to to decrypt on his computers just so that he could watch those videos, <laughs> and
0: yeah, <laughs> so that's see that's so much that's so much work, right? Like it's so much work. I, I kind of get it. I kind of get why you know I get why encryption of um something is so important. Of course, you want to protect um what you're publishing, what you're distributing. Of course, like that completely makes sense, and. Again, like, so I'm talking from someone who has very limited tech expertise, so I don't know how difficult it is to design something that would allow you to natively read something, but moving to uh, things like, like the example I gave with the music from the Windows Store when I was using my Lumia phone, um, like, I I bought that music with my money. Yep. and. I downloaded it and I could not listen to it on my laptop with better headphones yeah. which would not connect to my phone. <laughs> I could not listen to music. And also which I had the bought. other
1: thing is even if you were able to listen to it on your laptop like the the service that you purchased it from is now non-existent. The what? Like the like a lot of the Windows store for like ebooks and music is not really active anymore not
0: even there now yeah
1: so all those purchases that people made on those stores is essentially voided and all the money that you spent on it like no longer has any value absolutely
0: gone there was no
1: no real way that they provided for people to export the the media that they purchased onto a different platform so it makes you really question if you truly purchased the,
0: Anything? Yeah, yeah,
1: purchase the product, or did you just uh, sort of purchase the right to listen to that media on their platform? Is that all that they're providing?
0: And that's that's that's. I think that's kind of like the crux of what we want to get to here. The the principles of copyright and copyleft. Yeah. What is copyright? Copy so left, yeah, yeah,
1: copyright is a lot of what we we've been discussing so far, which is basically yeah. <laughs> uh, like legal. Uh, Sort of like restrictions to restrict the way that people
0: can consume, can consume, distribute. Yeah,
1: yeah. Copy. So there's that, and then there's like just having stuff in public domain, where people can freely use the content however they want. This happens a lot with very old material that was made like a hundred or so years ago, and Mm -hmm. the artists are no longer alive, and we can use that material as education purposes, like for education purposes, or just like, just generally reworked. you can do, you can do whatever you want with it to a, uh, to a great extent, like all of Shakespeare's works or the things yeah. on Project Gutenberg, which is like an online free uh, mm-hmm. ebook uh, sort of repository for these uh, public domain art. And then there's copyleft, which is a sort of like revolutionary act, if I, if I could say so, to how copyright Poses restrictions on preventing people from copying material. CopyLeft uh, creates a different set of restrictions that allow you to freely copy the copy the material as long as the copied material is also provided with as permissible of a license as the original. So, if there's a CopyLeft uh, software or a system, I could copy that but i have to distribute it in the exact same way that the original authors intended so i can't add more value uh, to that and then start uh, making it more and more restrictive and prevent people from looking looking into what i've created
0: wait so 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 assuming you know under these copyleft principles i've made a, i've made a song yeah and i've released all the stems you know yeah. like i've released the stem files as well as the midi files yeah. out to the public yeah anyone who then takes that work and reworks it has to leave my stuff as free as it was. Yeah. Yeah. They they have to keep it like that and they cannot leave, they can't can't make their work as well restrictive. Yeah. Like they also have to provide the stems. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. So uh, there's a few principles of the copyleft movement. Mm -hmm. There's uh, There's four of them that are listed here. So the freedom to use the work. The freedom to study the work, the freedom to copy and share the work with others and the freedom to modify the work and the freedom to distribute modified and therefore derivative works.
0: Yeah. See, I think the first two, three kind of already, I, I won't say they fall under copyright, but most people do kind of obviously give that level of freedom.
1: Yeah. Right? But this is complete freedom. This is complete freedom. Yeah. Right. You right. can study and use the entirety of the yeah. work whether it's okay. software or media or whatever and the important thing is also to be able to copy and share the work so that's mm-hmm. where copyright puts a lot of restrictions to avoid people from copying uh, it. but yeah. here you're allowing people to copy it however they want but the restriction is that the copied copied work also needs to needs to allow modification and copying for that work so
0: mm-hmm.
1: derivative work must also be copyable
0: so, so I think it's fair to say that copyleft is the fundamental principle behind a lot of open source movements, yeah, right? Yeah, like, so that's
1: where the, the, yeah. the GNU, New Public License, yeah. as a programmer, as someone in software. Yeah. Things like the n- new project from Richard Stallman, who was the sort of like main proponent of the copyleft uh, movement. And also how a lot of the open source community, how the Linux free and open source software movement has. So where people create software that is not necessarily free as in like, free as in freedom and not like free pizza. Yeah. yeah. So you can pay for these systems because there's still a lot of people putting a lot of work into these projects. Yeah. But you possess the rights to do whatever you want. Like the sort of complaints that we had with a lot of the... The DRM and restrictive right. activities that a lot of the bigger corporations are doing with it's it's with like media. it's like
0: um to move back to music because i think that's something i've messed around with a bit Ardour and reaper are two f- open source free um doors yep. free digital audio workstations but in the sense that you still pay money for them but the moment you pay money you own what you have bought you can completely change the source code to make it more usable. You can script new plugins. You can script new functions. You can study how it works. You can recompile it. You can do a ton of things.
1: Yeah, and from what I understand for Ardour as a music software, you if you're downloading it from the official website as a pre-built exactly. installation package for your computer, you need to pay them uh a few dollars or you
0: need to pay them a nominal fee but then once you pay you get support for a certain amount of time you get you get a fairly active community you get tons of resources
1: yeah so Uh, like you can have open systems and still have a genuine business model out of it like there's
0: there's no need i mean like uh I would say there is a need for some level of protection, some level of rights management, like definitely, because like, of course, the Internet isn't filled with terrible things. It's just not. But there are terrible people There there are people who don't really care about, you know, protecting rights that way.
1: I think there surely are those people and it's very difficult to combat them but what we need to be aware of is while you're combating that you shouldn't be making it difficult yeah. for the people who are willing the majority yeah for the people who are willing to pay money for the people who are using the media or the software or anything else in good intention and if they're not able to conveniently use the system in the way that they want to from the legal means they might just be forced to look at the other alternatives for her, for exactly. for breaking, in, uh, breaking those locks and being able to use it the way that they want.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, getting back to our original thing, that's why people flashed their PS2s. It's why exactly. people flashed their Xboxes, right? Like, if I could not... Like, I couldn't play so many games on my Xbox just because I couldn't find them in the NTSC format while living in India. Yep. It was just really difficult to find that. I, I think... The, the, the key uh, thing I want to really take out of this is that there has to be a compromise to be made now between, you know, protecting your distribution and publication rights. That's undeniably there. Like you're putting money in to publish and distribute things. You have to recoup that completely fair. But at the same time, you cannot deprive the consumers of their right to own what they have bought. Like... Like to get back to our thing of hardware and cars and, and that kind of stuff, if I have bought my Volkswagen Polo, of course the company still has some ownership in terms of you know providing legitimate service and so on. But that doesn't preclude me from slapping a big old turbocharger on the engine, you know? The company can't service that, for sure. I, I can lose a warranty and it might knock me down a couple of insurance brackets, whatever. Those are the things that are a trade-off of me making those modifications. But I have to have the complete freedom to make those modifications. And if something goes wrong because of that, the company should be able to provide me a repair service if I'm paying the cost. They cannot refuse it. Or, or they should be able to provide parts to a third-party repair store or garage that will do that service. They should be willing to do that. I think in in the automotive world that way, there are enough and more manufacturers who do that kind of thing. It And in the hardware, um, in like the, the mobile hardware market, as far as I know, most Android manufacturers, like, like the really big ones like Samsung and so on, they do sell parts and you can order them. But the, the problem comes when you're trying to make it so exclusive that you're making people jump through insane hoops and half the time, even your people aren't qualified enough to fix the product.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a different problem entirely. But yeah, yeah I know
0: mean, taking digs, but but it is it is a definite issue that rises when you have this level of exclusivity. Yeah, You know, like how do you train people in something that isn't standard practice? You know, it it becomes really difficult then. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's the key thing, right? Like complete freedom. Or, or if not complete freedom, then freedom that doesn't hinder the fact that we have bought and paid for something and we're not renting it, we have bought it. It is in our possession for the future for however long. Yeah. And thus we own it. We should be allowed to do what we want with it. And I, I think uh,
1: another point is that the legal way should ideally also be the most convenient way of using the product. Of, yeah. of purchasing it of handling it by handling i mean being able to use it on any hardware that you own right like all of those that flexibility should be available in the the legal and genuine way of obtaining that media if yeah. that like the platform where you buy your music or games is restrictive and doesn't allow people to do everything freely like in the, the way that they want people will just find another alternative that suits their needs so that's what i'm trying to get at is like the platforms need mm-hmm. to support the convenience not necessarily just to like uh, uphold the rights of the people but also because people to are just gonna share. yeah people are just gonna move to something else that makes more sense for them yeah. even if that's the the illegal uh, way but if the genuine it's, platforms, that's why piracy were,
0: was such a big thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. like when we were growing up.
1: Exactly. Like that's why
0: torrenting stuff was so big. Torrenting
1: and um, LimeWire and P2P sharing became such a big deal
0: um, for a lot of us. You know, while while you know we flashed up PS2s and so on, um, owning games on Steam then became the best way for us to have that because thus right. we we owned the games you know we didn't have to worry about the cd not working on something else and so on as long as our hardware was capable to run it and we installed steam yeah. we would be able to play the game
1: it really felt like uh, platforms like steam uh spotify like they changed hmm. the way that we consume those media whether right. it's video because games or
0: ag- again spotify i think does does uh drm in a very interesting way like sure their stuff is still it's still managed
1: yeah you're um, never truly purchasing the the music you're just like, but
0: but there are there is a free model yeah which i think is pretty good like that way you can listen to music for free and the only thing you have to bear with is advertisements and if you don't want to you can buy a subscription and also you're renting the service the
1: other thing is you're you're stuck on their app which as long as their app is like good enough to the users yeah. no one's gonna have that much of a complaint and I think
0: that way that way they've also nailed it like the user experience is pretty good like the algorithm that Spotify has is something completely different from a lot of other music services I've tried and and see that that's again there's a there's a certain level of freedom that is given with things like Steam and Spotify like sure there is some level of restriction as well but for the most part, you, like on Steam, you own the games. You can share it with your friends. As long as you are not playing, your friends can play yeah. the games that you, you own. There's, a, there's an element of sharing as well, which is great.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, for for whatever, you know, for whatever other problems the Steam store may have in terms of user experience, whatever, they do a lot for making sure that the consumer does have that freedom of sharing the games, of actually owning it on any device that can play those games. And similarly, Spotify is available across platforms. You can play music across any platform and the user experience is uniform. And I think that way, even YouTube has done something incredibly revolutionary from when it started till now for all its problems. It's still such a great platform because you are allowed transformative use. Even if the copyright system is abused, even if the bot flagging is erroneous in in many cases, it's still a platform that gives you almost complete freedom on what you upload and how you upload it, how you consume it, everything. It's not the case that CopyLeft isn't implemented. It's just that it's not widely implemented, which is the big problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. CopyLeft I feel like has found its place in software. But has it's not the
0: hardware part which is i think the big issue right
1: no i just mean like in software as in like in in oh, right. developer software like in oh, in oh, the yeah, platforms yeah. that are used to build these
0: build stuff uh, yeah
1: these systems but not really in the the way to handle they're still proprietary yeah, yeah. so i i haven't seen much use of copyleft in media and mm. uh the sort of things that you like the the music, books, uh, games, Movies. any of that. Because yeah. it's just, I feel like it's just we're a bit too early to this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't seen anyone create a song where they allow people to remix it freely. But anyone who remixes it has to also distribute uh, like every every stem or a, every instrument that they've used separately. Like that's that's something that I think it's just like a very very different way of looking at distribution and media and all of that and perhaps it requires a platform that truly embraces these ideologies
0: yeah i think it'll be really interesting to see you know if and how copyleft takes off in media how that influences how we consume content itself how how will it influence for example streaming you know how does it because right now a big fear amongst a lot of twitch and youtube streamers is that they can't play copyrighted music Because their channels will get struck down. But, you know, with the rise of copy left, if if it does get implemented in forms of media, can they then use, you know, music under that kind of public license as backing music? You know, can they rework it on stream, do things like that? All of that becomes really interesting to think about.
1: Like, it's as simple as something like, say, if I was to publish a, a video on YouTube, it's to also provide links to get the original file that i i've uploaded onto youtube because youtube doesn't legally allow you to download the the video files and audio and anyone who creates a like a remix of that whether it's a mashup a compilation like just a meme that edits the content in different ways they should also be distributing their raw video files for anyone else to do anything with it so there are still people who are coming to my channel and watching my video and i get ad revenue through that but I'm also creating a new ecosystem of creators for
0: people to make use of what I've done. Exactly, and to like pick not piggyback, but like to springboard off of it exactly. to something else.
1: So yeah. I feel like it's I feel like it's it's a good sort of decision to build a community because your content yeah. is still the same, but you're also creating more engagement
0: with the with this. This opens a small thing about sample culture, um, and and I think sampling has been controversial, to say the least. Um, Like, I I brought up the Juice World example of Lucid Dreams earlier. That's just one. There are multiple, multiple samples of incredibly noticeable songs, some of which are very, very... Like, they transform the original completely into a way where you don't notice it. Whereas others use the, the recognizability of the original sample as a way to piggyback off of it. I think that kind of sparks an interesting debate around copyleft and sample culture, yep. right? So, so if, if I'm remixing a song for which the stems are available and I provide my stems as well, what's to say that I have not piggybacked off of the success of the original?
1: What I understand from copyleft is that they completely accept that that's probably gonna happen. Okay. So you need to be aware that someone might just take your exact content improve it in, in any way. And that might become the more popular definitive version of the content, but there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Okay. Okay. Because I, I, I mean, I was just coming from the thing of like, if I have made something right, like for example, if I was to make a song that was very well known and then 20 years later, someone took the exact same kind of melody, I'm not talking about the same chord progression, because that happens. That, like, you can't steal chord progressions. There are only so many that work together really well. There are only so many that kind of flow into a sequence. Uh, but there are, there are literally infinite ways of reworking those into melodies. And so if someone reuses that exact same melody from my very popular song from 20 years ago, as a way of, they haven't reworked it. They haven't reused it in a meaningful context. They have taken that melody and placed it in a noticeable, in like the chorus or the introduction of the song as a way to catch people.
1: No, I feel like if you believe those ideas, Mm -hmm. like then you're truly not in line with the copula philosophy. Because yeah. the whole point is to allow those, however, uh, however much is based on the original work. So it would be, you know, the old Chipmunk remixes or the Nightcore remixes, where all they're doing is taking a song, pitching it up, making it faster, and it sounds like a high-pitched voice singing the same thing. And agree. they publish that as if it's a new, new con, it's new content entirely. But mm. that's just the sort of thing that you need to accept in this. Okay. Film. The idea Fair is enough. that. The original artist just needs to bring that much more to the table to get more attention.
0: Uh, So it's actual competition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So like, again, this was kind of like a devil's advocate.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I (laughs) I completely get you. So like in the software system, it's like the, the developers that are most trustworthy, most active are the ones that get the following. And also yeah. there would be several different groups doing more or less the exact same thing, but have slightly different philosophies and roadmaps. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people will sort of align to the version that, that suits them the most. It's just that, yeah, this, I feel like in terms of competition, this is where the one who is most effective at engaging with their audience and most effective at creating the content that people want will right. go the furthest
0: it's kind of why uh subscriptions have kind of taken off as well in a way because they advertise themselves as renting you know like it's it's you're renting a service you are only allowed to use it for as long as you're paying for it right but you know they they still provide their um platforms with personality with you know, certain exclusives, which are attractive. You see certain actors on those platforms, certain shows on that platform, which intrigue you. And I think it then creates incredibly healthy competition that way. Like I would say streaming in that sense hasn't become monopolistic because Netflix is, while Netflix may still be a forerunner, you still have very viable alternatives such as Prime, Hulu, HBO, Max, whatever which have their own incredibly lucrative exclusives which have their own kind of shows but at the same time you don't get the freedom to work, to to own any of the the content exactly.
1: so a platform that gives you the best of both i feel like would be a yeah. very interesting uh, thing to host. yeah it
0: it would be an incredibly interesting proposition like like something like Spotify where i can stream music for sure but if I want to I can buy the stems from the label. Yeah, exactly. And I can then rework it and redistribute that while the label still provides stems to whoever else yeah, yeah, and yeah. pays for it.
1: Like a legal way of purchasing, downloading Yeah, like yeah, like distributing the content.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that would that would be so interesting to think about. Yep. Like even for hardware if I want to, I can, you know, not modify my hardware, and therefore I just have my phone as is.
1: Like the way that most people use the Windows desktops, like the PCs. Yeah. Like you, a lot of people just buy it from Dell or HP, and but, don't but ever
0: modify it. But people can still it. build it. Yeah. They can still modify. There's people and build who can build it from PCs.
1: scratch, and there's people who also may just want to like switch out and uh, like a RAM chip or something like that. Yeah,
0: and you should be allowed to do whatever you want. Once you have bought the parts, yeah. you should be allowed to do whatever. And if
1: the OEM is, is the company that just creates like the best combinations of hardware at the right price, then people may not want to build it on their own and may just go with it yeah, because they get a better will deal. will go to
0: them. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I've said this a couple of times, but that is the core of this episode, right? Like the freedom to make use of what you have bought. And you should have the freedom to use it as a service, you know, like like streaming as a service, whatever. You should be allowed that. But if you have purchased a license, you know, a perpetual license, that means it's yours. And therefore, you should have complete rights over it. Like, if I have bought, most music software doesn't allow for this, but if I have bought a plugin, I should be allowed to, if I know how to script, if I know how to like, you know, do graphic design, all of that good stuff. I should be allowed to rework the functioning of the plugin as long as I still provide links to the original plugin and like say that, you know, that is the, that is the source.
1: Yeah. Or even if you don't want to distribute it just for your own use. Just
0: for my own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should be allowed to do that. And I think it's, it's very, very, it's a very interesting development in, philosophy of design that way. Yeah. And ownership. Oh yeah. I mean the politics of ownership also, but like, I think, I think that kind of ties in anyway, like, you know, it's like, it's like um, the, the data regulations enforcing privacy by design. You are then immediately going to take care of user data concerns just by enforcing it as a design principle. Um, It'll be the same way here. Like if you're enforcing copyleft by design, Mm -hmm you will automatically be taking care of the fact that people will then have the freedom to do what they want with the stuff they buy. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of where uh, I want to leave this part of the discussion off with. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good plan. place to end the episode. And so, we have been Dumb Dive. Thanks for listening.